Would you just pray with me before I read this word? Holy Spirit, here we are. We cherish your word. Your word is precious to us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, a spirit of the fear of you, the knowledge of you. And would you let that rest on Wayne as he teaches us today? Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 17. So, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are holy priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, and yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the King. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. A powerful morning we've been having. Well, beginning a series today, and some of you are going to go, what, another series? We're doing another series? 
It's like, yeah, there's so much to teach on and it all needs to kind of interweave and connect together. So uh, we're putting a temporary pause on our Meet Jesus series in the book of John. We're going to come back to that. And uh, for the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at this series on money wisdom. And today is the first one called Biblical Foundations. And um, it's been two years since I last taught on money. And typically I teach it each year. So I'm sure that many of you have been going, when are we going to have another series about finances and money? Because I've forgotten the last one. Who remembers that one two years ago? Some of you are here. Some of you might. Anyway, we'll see. Um, So uh, I really enjoy teaching on this topic. I sincerely enjoy teaching about God's way to do money, biblical wisdom for money. And the reason I love it is it's uh, very practical uh, and it changes people's lives. My family uh, and my life is better because I've, I've learnt to do the money, finances, the way that God wants it done. But I've also seen so many other people's lives and many in this room transformed because they've had to... They've, done this as well with their finances and one of the wonderful things that happens when we when we um, when we hear the kind of teaching that's going to come is it it really brings to the surface any issue any uh, issue we've got in our heart regarding money as we're trying to serve God and money um, because it really confronts that so it could be uncomfortable but if you submitted to Jesus as the Lord you'll be loving it. Um, so, you know, because money is one of those things that uh, will wreck our lives. It will wreck your life if your heart gets wrongly emotionally attached to it. And there's warnings in the scripture about that. Uh, Paul's got it in his letter to Timothy. Uh, people have been led away into all sorts of ungodly things. Christians have been led away into all sorts of ungodly things over the pursuit of money. Uh, And the issue isn't whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money. You might be thinking, well, I only have a little bit of money, Wayne. You might be thinking, I've got a lot of money, Wayne. I've got this sorted. It doesn't matter whether it's a large amount or small amount. Um, Obeying God with our money frees us to cultivate a deeper love and trust in God. It's as simple as that. Uh, Because um, it, it confronts where my trust is. You see, I can say I'm trusting God, but if my money doesn't follow that, I'm not. I'm actually what James says in his letter, I've deceived. I've, I've think I'm something when I'm actually not. Um, I want to say as well that obedience to God improves mental health. Obedience to God makes our marriages and families healthier and happier. And obedience to God liberates us from guilt. And it's this thing that we, when we bring our money into, do, into the way that God wants us to do it, it, it keeps reminding us, hey God, everything belongs to you. I'm simply, you've simply lent me this. I'm a steward. I just got it temporarily, right? You know, you've all heard the old joke, how, you know, the rich man died, how much do you take with him? None. Didn't take any. None of us take any money. What we take into eternity is the life that we've cultivated in Christ. Um, And so doing it, it helps me live from an eternal perspective that God, 
It all belongs to you. And that brings us back to that whole issue of discipleship, which is being a disciple of Jesus means I'm obeying Jesus. I've submitted my whole life, my body, soul and spirit to obey him. And the way that I handle the finances that I've been trusted with is evidence that Jesus is truly my Lord. Okay, so in this first message this morning, we're going to look at um, six biblical foundations. And I'll just give you a heads up. I'm going to spend a lot of time or more time on number one than the others. So if you sit, I don't want you sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, look at the time. We've got another five to go through, right? We're going to move through the other five fairly quickly, all right? So we'll definitely be out of here before one o'clock. <laughs> right. Okay, we've got to lay foundations, and we have to lay foundations because everything has foundations underneath it. Every building has foundations underneath it. Where you're sitting has got a foundation underneath it. Uh, every house has a foundation. All the skyscrapers have foundations. Uh, if you don't have foundations, the thing won't, will, won't stand up. It'll fall down over time, uh, and hopefully you never get to experience that uh, with either physically in a building or in your life. So... First foundation is the foundation of grace, and uh, this really is the this really is the preeminent or the cornerstone foundation. So all the others connect to it, but it, but this one has to be the one that gets embedded first. So this is the one I'm going to spend the most time on this morning, because I just want to remind some of you, and for some of you, you'll be hearing this for the first time. The Bible from beginning to end. From the very first words in the book of Genesis is the story of God's relentless grace towards humanity. It begins with the very first words, which are, in the beginning, God created. Do you really, have you ever thought that that's a statement of grace? Some of you are going, yes, yeah, we've heard you say this before, Wayne. Because it is. Because it's an act of love. It's, it's an act of grace. He didn't have to create. He chose to. He wanted to. And it goes on from there. So grace is God's first word to all humanity. It's his first word to us. And God has been the initiator. He's the one who's always moving towards every person with grace. He's initiating that. And so we're always the echo, if you like. We're the, always the responder. We are never the initiator with the relationship with God. We never came up with the idea of like, no one ever woke up and went, wow, God exists. I'd like to have a relationship with him. You only do that when you have revelation that God exists and that he wants a relationship with you. So he's already spoken to you. He's revealed himself. Paul talks about this in Romans 1, that all the evidence that God exists is all there in creation. If people would stop and look and see, you stand and behold him. So God's always the initiator. We're always a responder. And so grace is the foundation on which our lives are built on. The grace of God and the response, everything else is a response to God's grace. And again, we come back to the prayer of Jesus in Matthew 6, where we say, where, where Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray, the very first words of that prayer are what words? Some of you know them. Some of the students at FCC. Who are students at FCC? You pray this regularly when you're not on your phones. Our Father. It's a statement of grace, isn't it? We belong to a family. We've been invited into his family. God's a loving parent who wants his children 
to delight in him because when they delight in him, they live a full and abundant life. A holy life is a happy life. Parents, that's worth tucking away. Here's a bit of a parenting tip for you for free this morning. You do not want your children to grow up happy. You want them to grow up... (sighs) Mission accomplished, someone said. You want them to grow up holy because holiness leads to happiness. (laughs) Ah. So, yeah, listen to these words that Paul wrote to Titus and they're words for our benefit as well. It's uh, Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Love that phrase. Worth, worth taking some time over this. The grace of God has been revealed. We see it so clearly in Jesus. So clearly. The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all. That's the message of Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and the promise of his return. It's clearly visible. Salvation. When, when Paul talks about salvation... What he means, um, and, I want to, and I just want to say this again, because um, some people, uh, in an attempt to simplify um, probably the, the gospel message, the message of Jesus, they talk about salvation um, as if it's disconnected from Jesus' kingship and his kingdom on earth. And that's, but that's actually what the Bible is talking about. When, when it's speaking of salvation, it's speaking of the fullness of the kingdom of God on earth with Jesus as king. So you are saved in Christ to participate in the kingdom with Jesus as king ruling on earth. That's what salvation is. So when you see salvation in the scriptures, that's what it's meaning. It's the salvation to worship, the salvation to obey. That's what it leads to. So we respond to the grace of God, Paul says, by turning from godless living and sinful pleasures. And we respond to God's grace by examining the Bible to learn God's wisdom and his righteousness, which is righteousness is a, in this context is about the way that God wants us to live, which is a full and productive life that says, God, I want to follow the way you want me to live. We respond to God's grace by loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind and strength. That's how we respond to God's grace. It's that response. Remember, God's initiated. God speaks the first word. We respond and we go, thank you, God, for your grace. In response to your grace lavished on me, I will love you with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength. 
I will submit my will to your will. I will learn how to obey you in everything. And we find in doing that, that this foundation of grace uh, and God's commands are loving and wise instructions actually for a life of freedom. People all over the place want to cast off God's the obedience to God because they want to live a life of freedom, actually that leads to a life of destruction and bondage, not freedom. When we live in the grace of God and respond with wholehearted love and obedience, what we find is we have a life of joy now and for eternity. So grace is where everything begins. So money wisdom begins with this cornerstone foundation of receiving God's grace. And it starts with us surrendering our lives to God, ceasing our indifference and rebellion and hostility towards God. We accept the terms of God's peace offered to us through Christ that lead us into reconciliation with God and restoration through to him as we submit to and worship Jesus Christ as Lord, which we've most of us have enjoyed doing this morning, I believe. So, money wisdom begins with this grateful heart to God for his grace, that I've received his undeserved and unearned favour. That's where it begins. So my question this morning, as we lay these foundations, is have you said yes to the grace of God? Have you... Uh, because grace gives you this new identity as a son or daughter of God. Grace adopts you into God's family. As we read from Peter, you become part of his chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation. Grace is this uh, life filled with meaning and purpose, learning to show others the goodness of God. That's why God doesn't zap you up to be with him once you give your life to him because he wants us together and in our our own spheres of influence to display to others the goodness of God. I wanted to give you a couple of examples this morning and so I'm going to put up a photo because some of you never saw the inside of the previous prayer and training centre at 177 South Terrace in South Fremantle. But here's a, here's a photo from 2014. Is there anyone you recognise in that? Yeah? Who, who and what can you see? Yeah, you can see Julie. Yeah, who else can you see? Alicia, yes. Jason, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep, some people that have moved on to other places. Yes. Who can see the lovely colourful fence? So, <laughs> so, ah, oh, that was we we had to put that around the sound or the sound equipment around the sound team uh, to stop the little children who parents were bringing into the room, which we love children coming to the prayer room and learning the coming in and out of the room, stop them climbing all over the gear, and and you notice the really sophisticated sound system up on the wall? Can you see that wonderful sophisticated sound system? Top right-hand corner up here, that I think it's got a blue cover on the speaker. You know, that was the that was the sound system that we were using back in these in those days. We for to play web stream through, and off we went. And then uh, the colours and so it changed a bit over the year. We we uh, you know did a lot lot of upgrades when we first moved in, um, uh, and. Uh, 
but some of you have never seen it in its former glory. So, um, and then uh, some people, I, I chose the original colours, which are those colours, um, and then other people got a hold of the colour chart and chose it differently. So it got painted again. So, But now, actually, I want to show you a couple of other short videos which have never been shown publicly, to the best of my knowledge, which were shot last year, actually, of 854 Rockingham Road. Here's a couple of before transformation videos. So this is the, there's the front doors and the reception area and you can see the high security there and you can see that lovely roller door, beautiful roller doors there and the kitchen and the toilet in the back corner. That's about where the sound desk is right now in that. And um, so lovely concrete floor, that brick wall gets demolished, that brick wall gets demolished when we're looking at here. You're looking now into the storage area, that's there, and then we're going to go, where are we going? Going back, here you go. Oh, now, yes, I wanted to show you that I'm standing in about where the worship team is standing and looking around the prayer room, and then we're going to go down here, we're going, and so we're now the kitchen, the lovely kitchen's on our left here, and then you can see the, the outlines of the toilets and where the door gets cut, and this is, that, this is the lovely office area, um, it's a bit dark in there at the moment. This is before all the renovations took place. And then the next one, thanks. And then here's this lovely, here's the meeting room, the large meeting room and where the kitchenette is going to be on the left-hand side. And we're looking down into the offices. You can see, you might be able to see them marked out on the floor there. That's the hallway. We're looking down the hallway into where the office is going to be. There you go. They are pointing and letting you know where everything's going to be. It's that... Capacity to go, yes, this is, that, this is the outdoor area. Most of you are recognising that. You can, see, you can see the grass there that's growing and the roller door and the patio roof and the lights. And you can, see, you can see where the doors are. You can imagine where the glass doors are into the prayer room and out of reception. There we are. There they are. That's where they're, well, that's where they're going to be, the beautiful double glass doors going out of the prayer room. That's about transformation, isn't it? Because how many of you have seen that before? Few of you, few of you have, but not many of us. So it's this beautiful transformation, which is again a picture of God's grace. Now, when we went into that place, that was what it looked like. But some of us had a vision for what it could become. And what I want to say to you this morning is, some of all of our lives are pretty much like that. When God finds us, so to speak, not that he ever lost us, but it's the thing that our lives, that might be functional, that was a functional place for what it was, but God wants to make something beautiful of our lives. So first of all, there's got to be plans laid, there's got to be demolition, because he's going to make something beautiful of you and beautiful of us together to display him to the world around. And that's when we went into 854, we said we want to make this a beautiful space. We want it to be an example, a statement of how God's grace transforms people and places. Uh, someone who'd never been there before came to see me on one day this week, I can't remember what day it was, and they walked in and they just went, wow, this isn't what I expected. And they just kept, I showed them around, they just kept going, wow, wow, wow. But all this I want to bring back to grace, because grace is, again, the first word. It's God's grace that makes us beautiful people. 
that reality, when we say yes to the grace of God, it's his first word spoken. It's the foundation that God laid for us to build our lives on. Grace is the foundation that we're going to build this series of money on about. And it fills us with hope because it's that statement that God is going to transform me to display his glorious eternal beauty. Just take a moment. Could you read that with me down the bottom there? God's grace fills me with hope. He will transform me to display his glorious eternal beauty. Now say it like you mean it. I'm filled with hope. His grace is transforming me to someone beautiful now and forever. I am, a, I am one of the beautiful people because of the grace of God. You, just, you need to let that sink into your spirit. The beautiful people that our culture calls beautiful are not the people that God calls beautiful. He calls the ones who have said yes to his grace, the beautiful people. Now, right now, I want to pause and invite you to pray with me. And I'm going to say a prayer, phrase by phrase, because I, I, I want to invite you. Some of you will pray this for the first time, and some of you will pray it. Um, it'll be already a reality. And it's a short prayer of lordship and surrender to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you laid down your life. Yeah, let's all speak it out together. Jesus, thank you that you laid down your life and suffered in my place to free me from the consequences of my sin and rebellion. And I am now free to love, worship and obey you with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Jesus, you are my Lord. And I willingly submit completely to you. Today and forever. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please come and talk to Julie or I after the celebration and let us know that. And if you're watching on the web stream and you prayed that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. You can find the details on our website, newlifefremantle.com. So the first foundation that we lay, the real cornerstone foundation, is this one of grace. And the second one is participation. So remember I was told you I was going to spend most of my time on number one and now we're going to zip through. So I've noticed a few people yawning. Do we need to lower the temperature, I wonder? Might be a bit warm in here now with all the body heat. A few people are like, no, please, no, please. Um. So, okay. So participation, this is the next foundation. And uh, and so, when you, again, you come back to the Bible, and throughout the Bible, there's this God's invitation and his expectation of full participation. When, when we belong to him, we participate with him in all that he's doing. And that was there in the Bible readings from 1 Peter this morning. So listen again, verse 5, 1 Peter 2, verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Let me ask you, when you think about a living stone, you think about a stone, um, and some of you uh, live in brick houses or houses made with bricks, right? Okay? Is there any bricks in your house that don't want to be there? 
Is there any bricks in your house that don't participate? It's like, I'm not interested in holding this joint up. No, they participate. So when you see, you know, you are God's living stones, you're his living bricks that he's building into his spiritual temple. It's like you don't get the choice whether to belong to the temple or not. You are that reality. This is who we are. What's more, you are. You are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. They are beautiful words. It's, all, of those are, all of those you are's are plurals. You know, y'all, use. You know, all use, use are living, st- all right. So uh, it's just, so the next foundation is this thing. God invites and expects each of us to participate in his purp- purposes. We are to be contributors, not consumers. That's how healthy families work. You don't have consumers in a family, uh, you know, they soon get short shift. They should get short shift. Everyone needs to contribute. Obviously, not everyone's doing the same amount of work, but everyone is making a contribution, age appropriate, and all those kind of things. So as people, we participate with his purposes on earth as it is in heaven. And that is one of the ways that we display him to others. When people look at how this Christian community functions, People go, that's what I want to belong to. There's a functionality of relationships and families in New Life Church. That's what I'm looking for. I want to learn to do that. So I'm going to participate in that reality. Number three, percentage. This is the third part of the foundation. It's a percentage, and this is really good. This is such good news for everybody. Because there's no membership fee. There's no annual membership fee. We don't have uh, platinum members, gold members, silver members, bronze medal, bronze members, and lead members. We don't have... We don't have a membership tier structure according to financial means. It's a percentage reality. And God set this up. It wasn't my idea. This is his idea. And it's, found, it's a beautiful aspect because it means everybody gets included. Everybody gets included. Everybody gets to contribute. It doesn't matter whether we're a slave or we're a free person, doesn't matter whether rich or poor, doesn't matter whether male or female, in God's church, everyone who's received God's grace participates and contributes the same percentage. And that's how we partner with God and one another for God's purposes. And it means we can accomplish much more together than we can separately. Um, Because God asks for the same percentage from each of us. So, I'm going to speak a lot more about this next week, but let me just quickly say, several years ago I re-examined what the Bible taught about money and specifically tithings and offerings because I was unsatisfied with uh, what I was hearing myself teach and also what I generally heard taught around the place. And so just very quickly I discovered three, several things in this process. One, there's a wonderful consistency throughout the Bible on this. Number two, 
There was something called Taruma, which is the first 2.5% of income. Then there's the first tithe of 10% of the remainder. Then there's the second tithe of 10% for savings off that balance. Then there's a third tithe of 10% every three years to set aside for the poor. And then after Taruma and tithes, we live off the rest. And that structure helps transform us to reveal God's generosity as individuals and collectively together. Now, next week we're going to dive into the details of all that. Uh, much So we'll keep going. Foundation number four is consistency. And again, this, this is anchored in the character of God, that God is consistent. God is consistent in all he does. He is faithful. You can depend on him. If he says something, he's going to do it. If he says, I'm not going to do something, he's not going to do it. He's consistent and he created consistent patterns in creation. If you just think of a couple of examples, I'm sure uh, with the level of intelligence in this room, we think of more than these. But here's three. The rotation of the planets around the sun. As far as I know, that's pretty consistent. Uh, Sunrise and sunset every day. I'm pretty sure those are consistent. Pretty sure no one's ever been able to go, no, not having sunset today. Nope, nope. No, don't want sun... Set, right, Um, low tide, high tide, those are just simple things. So faithfulness, we think of faithfulness as another word we could use for consistent. And here's how Jeremiah says it. I love these verses. Lamentations chapter 3, many of you know it by heart. The faithful love or the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin anew every morning. One of the reasons I love that is because every day when we wake up from sleep, I find that there's new mercy from God by my bed. I don't know if you find that. Some of you need to wake up in the mornings and look and say, thank you, God, for the new mercy because of your steadfast love. There's new mercy for me today. Going to sleep is like a reset, isn't it? it, it get, you get the opportunity to kind of begin life again. It means you don't have to do what you did yesterday. If you made a big mess yesterday, you go to sleep, and in the morning you wake up and there's new mercy from God for you, and the realisation that I can begin afresh today, that I don't have to mess up like I did yesterday. I've got a new beginning. That's wonderful things. And so... When we think about money, we see that in the scriptures, there's this idea of I'm giving my finances consistently. Now, consistency, wow. Consistency is becoming more of a challenge, I've noticed. And without, without being generationally specific, but you'll know if this applies to your generation. Emotions are at the forefront. And you do everything you feel. And if you don't feel like doing something, you don't do it. Which often means you're inconsistent. Because your, your life's being driven by your emotions. In God's plan and purposes, the consistent giving of our finances helps us become, it's one of the ways, it's not the only way, there are other ways, but it's one of the ways that helps us become self-disciplined and self-controlled. It restrains selfishness and impulse spending. Right? We're not following the structure, and we're going to talk more about the structure next week. 
and we've got that consistency built in. It restrains my selfishness and my impulse spending. Now, usually at the start of each year, Julie and I plan where our finances will go in the next 12 months. We use a very basic spreadsheet. Uh, we're not super spreadsheet people, but we've, we know enough to use a basic one. And we list out our income and where we want our money to go. And we include in that our taruma and tithes. And we set up the amount as direct transfers for our taruma and our third tithes from our bank account uh, to New Life Church. And then we have separate sub-accounts for our savings and we have another account for our poor tithe and we set money aside for our compassion child and we also plan a generous offering amount for the annual harvest offering. Now, when we're doing that consistently, what this does, and the reason I'm going into such detail is because what it does, it reminds us that our allegiance and trust is in God's faithful provision, not in our finances. Doing that exercise, it's that statement, God, our trust is in you and we want to honour you because we're stewards, we're just temporary stewards of these resources, they all belong to you, uh, but we want to be consistent and live a life of consistency before you. Well, foundation number five is humility. And when we talk about humility, of course, we go straight to Jesus and we look at how Jesus, what Jesus said and how he behaved. And in his Sermon on the Mount, specifically speaking of money, he says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Don't put it on social media so they'll think you're wonderful, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven if you put it on social media. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. That's Matthew 6, 1 to 4. So when it comes to giving, humility means not drawing attention to my giving. No trumpets, no social media posts, nothing. No self-aggrandizement, nothing that enhances or exaggerates your own importance, power or reputation. Um, now, when you think about why, why does Jesus say that humility and giving privately are important? I'm not asking you to call out. Why don't you think about why, does, why is humility and giving in private important? And there might be a range of answers on this, but I think a key one is that they protect us from pride. Humility and privacy protect us from pride. You see, if I announce how much I give. See, if we all knew how much each other contributes to the work of God, there'd be a whole very, there'd be a big range, big variation amongst that, right? Now, you might conclude that someone who gives a large number is generous, but you can't really know that just from that one data point without knowing their full financial situation of that. You can't know if they've actually obeyed God and given what he asked them to give and what he's told to give from the scriptures. You see, you can't know that. So you just go, wow, right? But whether they've been faithful to God or not is a, is a question you can't answer. And so the privacy 
helps us, right? And it protects our relationships as well. Because if I think you're a large number giver, right, and I have a lack, I could be tempted to become your friend, your very good friend. In fact, probably your best friend. (laughs) The one you cannot do without. And out of that friendship, you may choose to bless me with sharing of your resources, which are abundantly more than mine. Okay, you got the point. You see, it, it shifts. It can, money can change dynamics in relationships, so it's way better that I don't know. Way better that you don't know. Because then you just relate to people as a person, as a brother or sister in Christ, as a fellow member of the royal priesthood, a fellow member of the holy nation. So humility is something that anchors our motivation in Christ. I'm doing this because of Christ and it protects relationships from manipulation. And so Jesus, in going back to Matthew chapter 4, what Jesus is saying is you want to give for an audience of one because if people applaud you and go, wow, that's amazing, Jesus said that's all you get. But there's a, there, I wanted to give you a far greater reward, an eternal. The Father wanted to give you an eternal reward, but you were so will, you were unfortunately willing to settle for the applause of people. It's like no way, don't. I'm I'm going for the big money, you know, like the big reward. I mean, you know what I'm saying in the sense of. Don't clap me. I'm going for his reward. I want his well done. That's what I'm living for. Uh, uh, you know, it's a whole thing. People say, you give, give to the Lord. You're sending it on ahead. You're making deposits for all eternity. Um, and if you think about it, if, if, if God, just think this. Okay. If, you, if God was to give back to you what you had given to him while you had opportunity on this life and it was yours for all eternity... How do you think that's going to go? If he's not added his multiplying reward effect for you, right? You know, you want compound interest for eternity? Live for his reward. Okay. So, and number six, this is our final one, is, is the reward. Uh, that, and I've already clued you in on that. So humility, now we're going into reward. This thing of giving your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. And... You know, some people, I, and I used to be one of these people. I used to think that as a, as a really holy Christian, you're not motivated by rewards. But then you read the Bible, and there are rewards promised all the way through for people who are faithful. I'm like, well, this is dumb, isn't it? I've got this around the wrong way. God wants me to pursue not the little rewards, but his reward. Because he wants to reward me. So I want to go, I'm going after his rewards. Right? So God created us and knows that we're motivated by rewards. Parents, how much of you reward your children all the time for doing the right thing, don't you? Because you want to build that in them. Okay? Where did that idea come from? Do you think it came from a parenting book? Perhaps, but I reckon God's the originator of it. 
Because he knows us. He knows we're motivated by rewards. Employers reward, you know, give incentives to employees. In fact, some of us are holding out for the rewards of getting the vaccine. Apparently there's some world trips on offer. I'm joking. We can, we can edit that from the video later. <laughs> I'm not really. But the, the word you're hearing in the media is we need to incentivise people to get the vaccine. Right? Have, have you heard that language? Yes, you have. Okay. Think with me for a moment, just very quickly as we're coming to the conclusion of this. Have you thought about what motivated Jesus to lay down his life to purchase freedom and eternal life for ungrateful humans? Have you thought about what, what motivated Jesus? Well, we're told very clearly in the scriptures, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We're told to keep our eyes on Jesus who be, for the joy waiting for him, he endured the cross. He's going... I'm seeing beyond the cross and there's great joy on the other side of that. Therefore, I go through the cross towards the joy and I disregard its shame because on the other side of the cross, I'm returned and seated in the place of honour by God's throne. You see, don't be, don't be thinking you're not motivated by rewards because the Son of God was motivated by reward. And it was joy, the joy of completing the first stage of global redemption, the joy of returning to the place of honour he laid aside, the joy of receiving all of the worship of heaven and earth as the only man worthy, the joy. That's why Jesus did it. So when, we, when you give, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and keep your eyes fixed on the reward that God is promising, that God is laying up for us now and for all eternity. Julie and I pursue wholehearted obedience to God as our response to God's grace and because we want his reward. We want, I'm unashamedly saying to you, we want God's blessing and favour increasing on our lives. We don't tell God what that should look like, but we want it increasing and we want it for our family. And we taught our children from a very young age to obey God with their money. And I'm urging you parents to make sure you train your children. We had a simple envelope system for them as they were, when they were growing up. And you can ask either of our sons about that. Parents, it's so important to train your children how to do money God's way. The wisdom that we see in the scriptures. So let's put all these together. And what you can see is that they form this beautiful interconnected pattern of foundation. And you see, they, they weave together in this way. Grace, participation, percentage, consistency, humility and reward. They, they form this wonderful pattern that provides a strength for your life. Next week I'm going to teach specifically of, of unpack the scriptures that speak about Teruma and tithes. But I want to end this morning with this place. See, because some Christians are casual about the Lordship of Jesus. And they mistakenly believe they can pick and choose uh, what and how they will obey Jesus. I just want to remind you this morning, Jesus doesn't give you that option. He doesn't give you the option 
that you can obey some things and not others. That's a delusion. The Bible clearly is that Jesus is Lord of all and that we owe Jesus everything for what he's done for us. So we come back to that place of grace. But listen to Peter's warning from 1 Peter 2 when he talks about people stumbling because they do not obey God's word and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. And then he says, but remember, you are not like that. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you've been casual about obeying Jesus, I want to urge you to repent today. And I want to invite you again to this place of committing again to be a wholehearted an obedient one because of God's grace. It's remember, it's my response to the grace of God. It's not to earn God's grace. It's a response rightly understood. I've received such a marvelous gift of grace from God. I respond with wholehearted love and obedience so that my life honors the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And so I want to close again with that prayer that we prayed earlier and invite you to pray it again with me out loud as the worship team come up. Let's say this again together. Jesus, thank you that you laid down your life and suffered in my place to free me from the consequences of my sin, iniquity and rebellion. And I am now free to love, worship and obey you with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Jesus, you are my Lord and I willingly submit completely to you today and forever. Amen.